talk about current events and COVID-19. <laughs> I ran across this article and I don't know how, how do you feel about this? The article says that pastors might need to make changes to the length of their sermons after everything opens up. I think pastors have to go by the leading of the Lord and I don't think legislation can dictate uh, the time spans for the Word of God or for the Lord's anointing or for praising the Lord, I, I think that after a while people just start to overstep their boundaries. I think so too. I don't know. I was watching um, Channel 30 in Focus the other day and they had this, I don't know who it was, it was like the tail end of the program, but they were talking about this, um, how the government they feel like the government is overstepping their bounds about telling us what we can and what we can't do, especially when it comes to church. And 
whether we should go to church and you know they they feel like it's overkill i don't know you know i believe that this is this is a sickness and you do have to be careful and you do have to take precautions and um i think some of the things that i've seen on tv about you know where people are packed into bars and which is no, ironic you know? stupid you can go to a bar but you can't go to church right you could be at a bar pack shoulder to shoulder you could be in the park you could be on the at beach. those beaches and right. everything and they're acting stupid and i don't know what state that was they arrested i don't know how many people because there was such a big melee you know but you can't go to church right or they, I mean, well it's going to come a time when the people are going to probably have to decide who are they going to obey god or man i can see giving them you know some latitude i can i can see well they're saying we're at a crisis we're trying to get things under control but things are under control and now if you discover that it's a type of virus where it's always going to be among us like hiv something or like, like the flu or a cold then uh you just you cannot restrict people to the point where you start to interfere with their liberties no but i ran across this article and it was saying that attending church from home brings with its own brings its own set of problems including people constantly looking at the time in the corner of a, the tablet or the computer they're watching why you know, how do they I, know, I don't know. How they know, know people are doing that you know that's no different you know that's why even in churches they shouldn't have clocks <laughs> <laughs> so as it turns out as the article says pastors and the people filling the pews or these days joining the facebook live chat have very different perspectives on just how long a sermon lasts according to recently released data from LifeWay Research. Most Protestant pastors, 54%, think their sermons last between 20 and 30 minutes. And 85% said that they are confident they don't go over 40 minutes. Only 14% believe their messages run longer than 40 minutes, but among those who attend Protestant churches, 32% think 32% think their pastor's sermon are circling an hour in length. Despite the fact that the vast majority of Protestant preachers believe their sermons are under 40 minutes, only 66 of Protestant attendees felt the same way. I don't think anybody likes to hear a sermon. I mean, I really don't. I, I, I mean, uh, maybe select churches, maybe some Pentecostal churches. But I think when you get into, like, the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, the Methodist Church, I think, you know, there's that time where the pastor gets up and gives a sermon. They expect it to be, like, right, like real five, fast. Right, five, minutes, like the McDonald's sermons. They want a mixed sermon. They just want you drive through. You just have something that's quick. And I don't even know if they're listening to what the person is saying. I don't think so either. I think they, their mind is an opportunity for them to think about what they're going to do later on they, in the day. They or wonder, what's the purpose? Why are they coming to service? If they're not it's coming a ritual. To, to, okay, because if they're not coming to fellowship and to praise the Lord and to gain in, in the Word of God and to get some insight, some spiritual insight, then, then they just should stay at home. Because that doesn't make any sense to come and then expect the person to sum up everything within five to ten minutes because they're thinking about something that is temporal that they want to do. Nothing that has to do with spiritual, nothing that's everlasting. Just 
something that they have to get to. That weighs down on the sermon too. That I mean, you know, that that does something. I, and I feel sorry for the the pastor or, or whoever's up there trying to reach the people, realizing that they've got them on the clock. So after they went through all these different uh, denominations, and you know, then they broke it down into Caucasian pastors and African American ministers, and you know, and. Um, Preachers with a master's or a doctoral degree, you know, and bachelor's degree. I mean, everything except anointed. So, so if, <laughs> no. they, if they would say, well, okay, but the, this is the, the length of the sermon uh, for a person who preached under the anointing, you could be there all day. Or this is a sermon who preached under the anointing. It because could be it within, gets good. Right. It gets good. Or, or it could be within minutes. You, you can't tell the Lord he has to move within this time period. You know that you can't restrict the Lord that way. And when people are giving uh, their pastors a certain time limit to get his message across or her message across, I I feel for them. So anyway, they said so. Churches start when the churches start filling the pews again. Pastors might need to make a concerted effort to tighten the length of their morning messages. And they say some of it, uh, of course, shifts base on demographics, but the bottom line is parishioners want church to be shorter, but not too short. So I don't know, it doesn't say exactly uh, how short. The pastors go by the leading of the Lord, not by some article, not by even people who are sitting in the pews wanting service to end earlier, not what man says, go by what the Lord says. Regardless, whether whether they agree with it or not, they have one standard, and that's the Lord. Yeah, but, you know, for the most part, people, um, I don't know, they just don't want to be in church. I don't well, know then, what they want to hear. Well, I don't know. They need to just stay home. I mean, if they're coming for the ritual, then if the ritual is that they're long sermons, then they just might as well get comfortable. <laughs> because it's all part of the ritual. Then, If they're only coming because it's a ritual, and the ritual is a long sermon, then they just said, Sit down and shut up, because that doesn't make any sense to me. That's just silly. <laughs> well, anyway, I mean, on even, um, you know, some churches put their uh, services online or on YouTube. Now, you're going to find some Catholic churches having a, a mass on YouTube, but it's even that is condensed from when you go in person. That's even shorter than, and I don't, I mean, I don't think you have to pay for YouTube to put anything out there. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it costs anything, but, you know, when I, when I kind of looked at some of the services, you know, it depends on what denomination it is. You know, if it's like Oak Creek Assembly of God, it's a lot longer than a Catholic service, you know, um... So I don't know. It just it is. I guess where your heart is and right. what you what you want to accomplish. I mean, if you're a if you're going to accomplish satisfying an obligation according to what man says, then I guess that's what you do. But if it's um, what you want to accomplish is salvation for your soul, then it's different. Right. You know. So. So it's a difference between. 
thinking and, and going to church because you're looking at it from the spiritual as opposed to the carnal. Big difference. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this next article I found on Christianity.com. And it was written by a contributing writer from Crosswalk.com. And the question is, does COVID-19 fulfill biblical plague prophecies? Well, the plague's a plague. I don't know. I mean, if it's an outbreak, I guess so. I mean, the Lord just said plagues. So if it falls within that category, evidently. And to me, I just think it's just the beginning of things that are probably going to befall people. I don't think that it's going to end with COVID. I think it's going to begin with COVID. Oh, you do? Yeah. I just think it's going to get worse. And not worse before it gets better. I just think this is going to get worse. And I suppose you could call it, uh, I don't know, the difference between a plague and a pandemic. I didn't look it up what the difference is, but... Within just a few short months, COVID-19 spread like wildfire to almost every corner of the globe. I mean, there were very few cities or countries or states that were not affected by it or infected by it, you know. So I, I know the Bible says that the plagues are one of the signs that you look for for the return of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So... According to Romans 8, 20, and 21, the plagues are a consequence of Adam's fall from grace in the Garden of Eden. In this article, it says, For the creation, and I don't know if this is King James Version or not, it says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage, to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Hmm. Where is that? Romans 8. Because it doesn't like <laughs> I don't know. Italics. It says, the onset of a plague in the Bible has always been... But see, I don't think the plague is because of... Specifically because of Adam, Paul. I think the plague is because... Man, right? It's hard in his heart. So the so this article says that the plague in the Bible has always been for the destruction of civilization or a way of life brought about by the hands of God in response to disobedience against Him. Right, and and because as we become more and more wicked, each generation, the Lord does things to get our attention and. And what, what the carnal, what the worldly people say is, what kind of God would do such a thing? And I say, merciful God, because he's, he's trying. He meets you where you are. And so now we're at the point where we're at the point of plagues, which means that our ungodliness as a whole, as, as our people, has become so severe that there are certain things that God has to do as severe just to get our attention. So we're at that point now of being base. So, you know, it says that um, there are other scriptures in the Bible that that talk about where God sent plagues over nations as an act of divine judgment for disobedience. And one of them was in Amos Mm -hmm. uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how the Lord sent plagues as he did in Egypt. 
I killed your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with the stench of your own camps. Yeah, because he said Yet he would... He you said, didn't return to me. And he said that he would do that. He told them when they were first going to take the land that if they sinned, then whatever befell the Egyptians or their enemy, the Gentiles, he said, the same would happen to them because he has no respect of person. So the Lord does it out of mercy to get our attention. But, you know, the funny part is people don't pay any attention. They get angry. They get angry, uh, but the Lord, he and, and it wouldn't be so severe if their sins weren't so severe. And, see, and that's what people don't understand. And, and, and I'm thinking, we've gone from the head of gold to just pure iron mixed with clay. So we, we've fallen as a people a long way. And so in order to get our attention, in order for the Lord to get through to us, the things that he does are severe because the world has gotten so sinful, so rebellious, that the Lord has to uh, do those things that normally, you know, we could avoid, but we can't because as, as, a, as a people, we're so determined to go in our own way that the Lord has to really shake up things just to get our attention. So in the New Testament, there's a mention of plagues that will act as key signs, and that's going to start... Uh, telling people that this is the sign of the end of times mm -hmm. and the coming of Jesus. And the, I guess, most well-known verse is in Revelation chapter 6, verse 8, mm -hmm. which reads, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Mm -hmm. And, um... I mean, and that's in addition to, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. That's in the midst of things being scarce, food, commodities, you know, scarceness. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, and that almost happened here. I mean Right, man made but still happened. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's all throughout the Bible, not just in Revelation. It's in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 8, which said, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not come yet. But the end is not yet, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Right, and we're past the beginning, and because we've had pestilence and famines in diverse places and earthquakes, you know, we've, we've had enough of those, and even in the United States, you know, and they might not be playing it up on the news because we're we're at the mercy of 
the media. Yeah, and and, and, and I was so talking, I was talking to my mailman, and he or he has family in Puerto Rico, but I did not know there was another earthquake in oh, Puerto yes. Rico. I mean, he said they have such trouble. They still don't all have electricity. He said right. they're just all they're really having a hard time over there. It's like. If you ask me, Puerto Rico has back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back right. problems. You know, if it isn't a hurricane, it's it's something else. And uh, and if it isn't something else, it's an earthquake. And if it right. isn't an earthquake, it's another thing. Right, just like you know, California. And if they're having such a hard time recovering right. from from each one of those events. Right, and it's sort of like California. You know, one thing after another. And, and, and these are... We're past just the beginning of sorrow, so we just have the saints have to just pray, embrace themselves, because like the Lord said, we don't we don't have to panic. As saints, we see what's happening, and as saints, we pray. We pray that other people who have been blind up to this point will open their eyes, will allow the Lord to open their eyes, will allow the Lord to save them. We're hoping that someone will say, well, God's word is real and yield themselves to the Lord. But as saints, we just have to hold fast and trust God and, and his promises. And several scriptures are going through my mind. You know how you can solve the problem is that is that in is that in First Chronicles or Second Chronicles where it says, "If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves right. and turn from their wicked ways and and right. pray, right. then the I will heal right. their land." The scriptures will be rewritten because God is the living Word. If the world would just stop and humble themselves, mm-hmm. I mean. The, the entire scenario would be different. The outcome would be different because that's all that the Lord is looking for them to do, to recognize that they don't know what they're doing. They think they do. That they can't determine their course. I know that's what they teach uh, young people in school, that they're, or they're the captain of their fate or that somehow they determine what direction their destiny. No, the Lord determines those things. And if they would recognize that, God could help them. They, they're going around thinking they don't need God's help. I know, isn't that something? I don't get that. But then in Psalms 91, verses 5 and 6, it says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. So there's hope for you. As a saint, there's hope. And even if you're not a saint, there's hope. You can turn your heart to the Lord, humble yourself, and and get saved. And there's hope for you. Right. Um, And and become connected to the the source of life. You don't realize that that when you're out there, you're not connected to life. And that you are, are walking, but you're dead. You know, and, and and you want to be connected to a life source. You want to be connected to, like you said, you, you want to drink of water where you never have to thirst again. And you want to eat the manna of, of heaven. You want to have that fellowship and that relationship with the Lord. And here he says in Isaiah 54, verse 10, he says, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord 
that hath mercy on thee. Right. I mean, it's out there for a person to receive it. But but the thing about the Lord is, he's not going to force a person to accept him. So uh, they, it's there, though. And what people have to realize, why God has designed us to be fellowship with him. He has created us so that there is an exchange between man and God, between the creature and creator. But man has become so sinful, they think that they want to be the creature and the creator. <laughs> they just want to do everything themselves. But the Lord said, I haven't designed you. And that's another thing, they don't want to admit this, but God said, I have not designed you to uh, determine your footsteps and determine your fate. God said, I didn't design you for that. So by you trying to do that, all you can do is uh, basically come to ruin because you're doing the very thing that he did not create us to do. So um, one of the questions in this article is, um, is COVID-19 one of them, one of those plagues? Probably. And so it goes on to say that if the plague prophesied in Revelation 6-8 were to be that of the coronavirus, the death toll of 267,000 as of May 7th of 2020 would have to be much higher for well, it to I be don't, true. I think they're trying to be too literal. When the Lord said plagues, he didn't He didn't say, oh, COVID-19. He didn't say smallpox. He did not say uh, tuberculosis. He just said plagues. So whether they're man-made, which is a, a, a viewpoint of a lot of people, that the COVID-19 is, is like a dry run test and it's something that the, that the, the nations, the governing nations have, have put upon us. You know, to I don't know what the purpose is, but a lot of people come up with the legislation, with the patent numbers, with it, whatever. But if it's out there, it's out there. A plague is a plague. So regardless of whether you can put a name on it or not, that's not what the scripture said. He said plagues, plural. So whether it's by natural means or by man-made means, if it's out there, it's out there. Mm-hmm. So then it goes on to say, why is God allowing this pandemic? And uh, it says that it's normal to question God's goodness, they say. I don't know. I don't know if that's normal (laughs) to question God's goodness during this time when many, well, actually millions of people are suffering as a result of the health and economic consequences of this pandemic. And that, I mean, they are. Mm -hmm. They really are. It is the sad truth that the world, you know, is going through. I mean, when you see... I know they are, but what are they doing? They're not turning to the Lord. They're going through all right. But they don't say, Lord, we've sinned. No, what they say is, you know, you have to stand six feet away from me. You know, you, <laughs> I can't wait for the vaccination to come out because they're putting their trust in man. You know, they, they don't turn to the Lord. As a, as a, as, as a world, as a, as a nation, they don't turn to God. No. No, they don't, and I don't know, you know, what it would take for some people, and the sad part of it is that I think um, they never will, some will never turn. I mean, when you read Revelation, it says no matter what the Lord did, they still didn't right. do anything. Right, but they can say when they meet him face to face, they will never be able to say, Lord, we didn't know. You didn't give us a chance. 
no one tried to tell us. We would have received it if someone had just came and told us. They won't be able to say that. So the bottom line is, humble yourself, pray, turn to the Lord, and trust in God's mercy to make all things work for our good. He conquered the world. He conquered Satan. So, I, you know, he has no problem, and he's not smaller than COVID-19. He's bigger than that, and he can, he can conquer that as well. Right. Okay, I'm going to read to you from uh, St. Mark, chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. It says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knows no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the times. Ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord, and let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, On the day of Pentecost, when all were in the upper room with one accord, what suddenly filled the house? And the answer is, A sound of wind. Not the wind itself, but a sound of the wind. And that answer can be found in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, which says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rush, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. This week's food for thought is, why was the Sabbath made? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. That the truth will prevail. And I know 